Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Employee Podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organizations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The culture and commercial benefits of organizations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. Thing that can happen today. 
And I think once you don't fear the worst thing that can happen to you that day, it just opens up this whole other world to you. So I was like, the worst thing that can happen today is I lose a footballer. I'm still going to go home. I'm still going to have my family. I'm still going to have my friends. And it just gives the confidence to go out there and just do what I wanted to do, try and do things on the football pitch. And that was always my safe space kind of as I got older. So a little bit on goal setting. Whenever I go and do talks, especially with younger people, I always get told, do you do goal setting? And they say, just say you do goal setting, Jill. But if I'm being completely honest, I've always been someone that's just thought for the next day. So by that, I mean, it's when I went to football, I was like, just give it your absolute all today. So you can look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. See, I tried my hardest. Um, I was a good person in and around football. Put in all the work you can. Make yourself better today than you were yesterday. And then if things didn't happen, I was just proud of myself for putting in that work. So I've never been someone that sets long-term goals. It was always just kind of day by day. With that, there's a lot of accountability because I suppose that's your own routine. So one thing I always say is that, say Liam Stafford, for example, um, England captain for eight years, went to Sunderland together, then we did Manchester City together, we did England together, and we both went on a very similar journey, she still plays, um, but one thing was that we're such different people. So with, with me, as I say, I done goal set when I finished the game of football, I knew exactly what I could have done better that day, I knew exactly what I'd done well, she would stick to it, analyse, my pre-match meal was just whatever I was having, not McDonald's or anything like that, as long as I was having a meat veg, bit of, bit of fruit after it, I felt comfortable, I know she had to do the same thing before every single game, and the reason that I touch on that story is that I think sometimes we can all be part of an organisation or part of a team and we all have to reach this goal, but you can still be your own person and have your own routine. So you don't have to look to the left and go, oh, well, she went to the cinema last night and we've got to do it tomorrow and judge them for doing that because that might be what works for them. And I feel like, to say, for example, with me and Steph, we did really very differently. But if I tried to be like her and she tried to be like me, it just wouldn't have worked. Now with that, when I went to football, and obviously I'm like, I've got my own routine, I've been around a while, I had a bit of a closed mindset at times, which when I look back, should have probably been a little bit better with, but then there's that accountability piece. So it's like, if you're doing your own routine, you have to make sure you're producing results when it mattered for me, it was a game day on a Sunday. Um, and also with that accountability, I'm not saying I had my routine in the week, and then suddenly I'd just say, play well or play bad on a Sunday, I'd always go back and review the week. So I'd go, should I have gone for that Nando's on Thursday? Maybe not. Next week I won't do that. So it was constantly reviewing myself, being harsh on myself um, in order to be better for the team and the organisation that we're in. So uh, I'll touch on that in a little bit. So when I talk about routine, I remember Hope Powell when I first um, went to England, I was 18 or 19 years old. Just put that picture on because I like looking at it. <laughs> it's gold, it's gold. In the World Cup in um, 2015, we got the bronze medal. And I used to go into schools and the kids would go, Oh, look, she's got a gold medal because the light was shining on her. So it's nice now that I don't have to lie, it's actually got a gold one. Um, but Hope Powell, she said to us, she was like, You need to be obsessive. You, if you want to perform at the highest level, you need to be obsessive. And I was 19 years old and I'm thinking, 
good. You probably got obsessed with playing. So without knowing it, as my career went on, I was so obsessed with football, everything. When I'm retired now, I realise kind of how my life just had to fit in the football. Every decision I made, football came first. So now it gets to 10 o'clock and I'm watching Netflix and I can actually watch that extra episode. I don't have to go to bed. I have two cups of tea on the night instead of one and a proper party animal. But when, when I was playing football, I had all these little things that I would do bed by 10 and make sure you don't have too much caffeine. And so without knowing it, I, I did become obsessed with the game. I suppose that's why I finally got that gold medal. And so how do you know what your best is? Smashing the ceiling. These are just important lessons that I've learned along the way. I think I've had managers in the past that probably did put us in a little bit of a box. And I was always a hard worker in midfield. I was never the best player. I wasn't technically great. I had to work on my technical stuff every single day. If the girls had a week off, they might have to do some running. I had to be on the ball because I knew that was a part of my game that I needed to work on. Um, so I felt like sometimes they're like, oh, Jill, she worked hard, she'll put a shift in. And then when I went to Manchester City, I had a manager called Miss Cushion, and he was like, you know what, Jill, you can play, you can do this, I want to build this team around you, I really believe in you. Phil Neville, when I was at England, I remember he did this article just saying that he thought I was a good player. It was a little bit more than that, it would have been a terrible article. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it just kind of gave us that lift to be like, you know what, I can offer a little bit more to this team, but sometimes you just need someone who's going to believe in you and just push you. And sometimes them feelings of being uncomfortable, standing on the streets now isn't 100% comfortable for me, but it's pushing us every single day to be better at kind of what you do. No shortcuts, that's always been a big one of mine. So in COVID lockdown times, was doing a lot of my own training, had to go on a rugby pitch. I remember there was like dogs everywhere, uh, a lot of dogs too as well. Pick, pick up your dogs, Nick. Um, and I'm just doing shuttles and it's pouring down with rain and people are coming and they're trying to talk to us, which is great, but I'm like, can I just do this one more set and then I'll have a chat with you. But the fact was, I was there sometimes by myself, it's raining and I'm thinking to myself, I feel sick, like I'm on my last run. And I'm thinking, I could just stop now and go home. But I always thought if I took a shortcut, it would catch up with us. And I always thought if I didn't do the work, someone else would be doing the work and eventually they would overtake us. So I think I did have a strong mindset, which we probably developed over time. So no regrets, not letting myself down. I've, I've touched on that. And make them leave you even if they don't want you. So that probably goes back to the fact that I remember playing under one manager, I'm not going to mention names, but I felt like they just they, they weren't having as many as a player. And I remember my mindset was just keep working at them things that you know that you can do so that they get a decision where they need you more than wanting you. So I was like, if I can work so hard in the middle of that park, there's got to be times in games where they need someone who's going to do that and they can turn and say, you know what, Jill, we'll put you on. Um, didn't work at the end of my career. I've had two loan spells, so I'm not saying I'm not saying it always works. But um, that was always my mindset, just to try and do the best that I can be. Don't get too high, don't get too low. That was always my motto in sport because if you look over the ten tournaments I did, so I did four World Cups, four Euros, two Olympics. When they say I won every single domestic trophy, I did, but I competed in the league for 20 years and won one title. Competed in England for 16 years and won one gold medal. 
don't, don't get too high next to the road. There's so many more roads along the way. I remember I text my mom coming back from London like one o'clock in the morning after a day, and I'd be like, what am I doing? I'm 34, I've still got Converse and Rucksack on. And I'm like, all my friends have got kids and married. I'm like, what am I doing putting all my energy into this? But again, going back to that moment where I've which I will have time to talk about. Um, it just obviously made it all worthwhile. But they don't get too high next to the road. So one of the days, I always try to stay in, on this middle line. And then if we're lost, I try to not get too low. Because if I got too high, and then there was a low moment, I felt like I was going to come crashing down. So I always try to stay humble in them ways, and then always just more determined with the losses. <coughs> so, yeah, as I say, these slides are just guidelines. So if I talk about, everybody says about the euro, kind of what was different this time. Serena, was she the secret? What a fantastic woman, by the way, I think. When we're headed into the Euros, we decided that, I will touch on Selena, but one of our things that she did so well was I felt like we had this organisation, group of staff, group of players, and everybody just knew where they stood within it. So the sports scientists, the physio, the assistant coach, we all had their roles and they were just trusted to do it. I felt like she wasn't interfering with anybody, it was just like, I trust you on that. And it just left kind of none of these grey areas. So when I was going into Euros, I think I started one day. So selection day was terrible, honestly. I remember it. There was 28 of us, I think five were going home. We were at St. George's Park. We were playing, we were being on a one-week camp. Um, obviously, we've done more work before that, but this specific camp was a week. And the last day, we played each other in a game. Obviously, the squad's already picked. And as we're coming in, there's just five cars waiting outside in the meeting room. And it was like, you're going to go in for your meeting. If you're not in the squad, you just get in your bag and you're going. Um, so I remember I sat, I was having a coffee. They said, you'll get a text. I said, on Love Island. Um, you'll get a text. But it wasn't one of them moments where it was like, I've got a text. I've got a text. Um, but I had about four flat white coffees. So I was going like shaking and obviously the news was good but it was really hard to again get too high because the news was people going home but um the fact that when i went and sat down with her before the evil she said i'm going to start one day she's like girl you're not going to be a star at this tournament and i was like oh really obviously i knew but i think that sometimes having them conversations and just clarifying things you just know where you stand and then i knew a big part of my tournament was going to be what i could offer off the pitch because that was going to be the role that I adopted and um, obviously I still knew if I was needed she did say if um, we're trying to protect the league you'll come on so when the Norway game went five six seven eight I'm like come on we're protecting the league now and um, but I did get on eventually so I think that was the good thing about Serena and then the other thing which is something that I've believed in kind of all my life in terms of building a good team is you could sit and just have a normal conversation and coffee with that about family, about friends, but then as soon as it was time to go work across that white line, you had the utmost respect and you knew what the standards were within our team and what was expected of you to perform. So I always say with work colleagues, we should be able to sit down and not talk about work and maybe not talk about football. We should be able to say, oh, how's your mum? How's your brother getting on? Like just have a different conversation. And then the same with, I'm just using up the presentation before, which is really good. It's been a lot better than this. Um, and, I was, and I was thinking, when you say people are unhappy within the workplace, 
we used to get a lot of people that would come into football and see that just down and people would go, oh, she's in the mood again, she's about energy, stuff like that. And I was like, has anybody actually went over and said, oh, are you okay today? They might have actually lagged themselves into work, they might have seen phone on the phone. So I was always that person. I do have a coffee shop in Manchester, if anybody ever wants to come to a coffee, get that plug in box to box. Um, and everyone always says, Jill's obsessed with coffee. And you know what? I was in my early days of football, so I was doing a lot of travelling. I think I travelled the M62 about 10,000 times. Um, and coffee is kind of keeping us going. But as the years went on, I used coffee as a way of checking in with my feelings. So if I could see someone was down, I'd go, oh, do you want to get a coffee after football? So I don't drink 20 coffees a day unless there's 20 people upset. Um, but also just checking in whether things are going well as well, I think just taking that time out. So that was definitely something that Serena uh, kind of implemented in the squad, which is something that I believe in um, massively as well. So in terms of, of teamwork and being together, I was always like, if we can build these relationships off the pitch when it comes to stepping over that white line, I remember in 2015, we had uh, a player who had three children, and I remember I, I said to him, you know what, I'm doing for my kids, I want to make them proud. And he said, no word of a lie, quarterfinal, I looked them in the eye, and I remember she was absolutely knackered, she played a lot more than me. And I was like, I'm going to track back as hard as I can, and in my head I was like, let's do this for your kids. And I think just sometimes knowing that kind of little extra bit about someone, it can really push you on. So, I don't know what it pushed me. I think I thought I was in a photo shoot or something. Um, so, yeah, I've got three minutes left. So, yeah, in terms of being a leader as well, when I go back to step up and leader, and I felt like I never got that captain's armband. I've got it as top of the age, yeah. I need to do some bicep curls for that and steal my arm. But um, I think I was always a leader in another way. I never had the armband, but I always felt like I led by example. I didn't need that armband. I as much as I could. I respected the captain, but I was also like, I can kind of set an example on the pitch, not when I scored in the final, that was not a good idea. But I think when I, when I speak about that final, I kind of, I would have done anything to win that day. And to get on the pitch for the day of the final, 35 minutes, I think it was, I was like, I was sitting there, there's an England fan on the bench, uh, just wanting us to win something. I'd watched David Beckham, Michael Rose against Argentina. I was there as an England fan, and then I was getting on the pitch, and there was actually this moment where I had a chance to help us win something for England. So it was a few swear words that came out. Um, I won't repeat what it was for people that weren't there, but my brother had to use radiation on a mug now, and somebody sent to it, so thank you, whoever that was. Um, it's just the abbreviation, she's 89, she doesn't know what it means. So if anyone has an idea for F-O-Y-X-P, then you can box to it so I can tell her what it is. Um, but I think that was just the passion coming out. And I always say as well about falling in love with football at school, the fact that the day after the Euro final, Locker, Lily Williamson were like, what's our legacy going to be? It's like we're already planning for kind of that next, next step. And the fact that now we're giving equal access to girls to play football in school, which is where I fell in love with the game. To be honest with you, I don't remember Lily sending the text the day after the final because I was pretty drunk. Um, and I'd also, I'd also been to a tattoo shop and got a, it's meant to be a line neck, but it's more cat slash dog on my arm. Um, 
we've seen it here at Wembley, but I catch it looking at it, it's just makes me smile. But the fact now that we've left the legacy, um, and the fact obviously having retired, the biggest thing for me is that if I've contributed even 1% to the game being in a better place for the next generation, then I think I'm just left at that. So just that last bit, it's perfect, 33 seconds. So the last bit, it's not the slap you remember, it's Stephanie the dive. So there's little Jill getting a bit older, played every sport possible. Um, my mum did legs in the house, by the way. I didn't just hang around the back lanes all the time. And then ended up with that four feet. When we talk about team standards, we made sure that before the tournament, we sat down, we put down what our values going to be, what our model's going to be. And sometimes it can just like work down. Let's believe we're going to win it. Let's have confidence. Let's be together. But how do we make them words actually come to life? And the belief part, I really believe we won that final at Wembley because we've beaten Germany previously in the year. So I felt like we had that belief to go and do it. So when we were writing this stuff down, I could see the younger girls just like trying to look in and I'm thinking, yeah, such a bunch of words. So I look like in poem. So I wrote a poem, which I won't share the whole thing because I can't remember it all. But my last line of the poem was, we need to create an environment where everyone can thrive because it's not the splash you remember, it's definitely the dive. And by that I mean the splash is the gold medal that along with the end goal, whatever it's going to be, sometimes you'll get there, sometimes you won't. But now that I'm standing here and I don't really have them, for a long term plan anyway, but I don't have that thing, the journey for me, the fact that I can meet my mates up that I played football with, go to a cup of tea with them, go for food, I've met so many incredible people, that means so much more than that medal. So. Yeah, remember, it's not the slap you remember, it's definitely the dive. Thank you.